everyone, and thanks for joining us for another episode of A Story Worth Telling, the podcast where we share some of the greatest stories you've never heard, and some of the ones you have, and what they have to teach us about life, love, God, and everything in between. If you've been enjoying the podcast, I would encourage you to click subscribe on wherever you listen to podcasts, or uh, even better, leave us a rating or a review. These just kind of help in getting our name out there and letting other people know that we exist. And we sure do appreciate you guys sharing it and, and telling others about it. Today, I wanted to share a story that I think was brilliantly portrayed here in the recent past in an incredible movie called Hacksaw Ridge. And Andrew Garfield was cast as the main character of the film Private First Class Desmond Doss. And his story is the topic of this week's episode, and I think one of the most incredible war stories that I've ever heard. I'm a huge history buff. I love anything having to do with uh, history, World War II in particular. And this story, it just, from the moment I read it initially, it captivated me, but I thought that the film did such a good job of telling his story and doing it in a way that honored his personal beliefs and some of the adversity that he faced as a result. If you haven't seen the movie, what you need to know about Desmond Doss is that he was raised by his mother as a Seventh-day Adventist. He had pretty strong biblical-based beliefs, and that really informed the way that he lived his life. And in 1942, he was drafted for, at the time, World War II. And though it would have been really easy for him to, as a conscientious objector, refuse to be drafted, he actually refused to give up his spot in the draft. He later called himself a conscientious cooperator. And despite his heavy moral belief in not taking a life with his own hands, he felt it was his part to participate in a war that he saw as just, and he wanted to not shirk his responsibility. And so he was drafted in 1942, and during basic training, I think the movie does a fantastic job of portraying some of the really intense opposition that Private Doss faced in just his early days in basic training, he received death threats from his fellow comrades. Some of them even threatened that when they got into combat, they would make sure that he didn't come back alive. All because he had refused to participate in weapons and firearm training, and because of his strong beliefs, had received a pass to have a Sabbath on Saturday so that he could attend church. And some of his peers saw this as unfair treatment. They saw him as unfit for combat. Even more so, his officers saw him as unable to participate. They tried several times unsuccessfully to have him court-martialed. 
at times they had to tr- try to get him written off and discharged for being mentally unfit or mentally ill. Other times they attempted to have him court-martialed for refusing to carry a rifle. And all of these were eventually thrown out by the court. And he was enlisted, completed his basic training, and was actually assigned to the 307th Infantry Regiment in the 77th Infantry Division. And he shipped out to warfare and to combat with his detachment. His first taste of battle was actually in Guam in July of 1944. And pretty quickly, he established himself to the rest of his company that he would give little to no thought for his own safety, for his own life. He would charge headlong in the battle every time he heard the call of medic, he would run and charge into a spray of bullets to attend to the needs of his fellow soldiers. And even at the risk of not carrying a weapon, he quickly earned the respect and admiration of some of the very men that had threatened his life back in basic training. They began to see his value to them and his care for them and begin to make active efforts to protect him because he was unarmed. He also carried no markings at a medic as a medic because the enemies would quickly try to take out a medic realizing that if they took out any medics, they could also guarantee the loss of life would be higher for the Americans. And so he had no, obvious markings on his outfit, identifying him as a medic. And so running into the heat of battle with no weapon put him at great risk, but he did it time and time again. And his company was eventually shipped into fighting in the Pacific in Okinawa. They actually moved into the front lines of Okinawa on April 29th of 1945. And Okinawa had been heavily entrenched by the Japanese who had spent years digging tunnels and making all kinds of mazes to really dig in their presence there. And it was in this theater of war that they were enlisted to take back what was called the Maeda Escarpment, which was basically a 400-foot hill that the Japanese soldiers had dug into. And so the 307th Infantry was dispatched to take back this escarpment. They had to use cargo nets to climb the 400 feet to the top, and they established a entrenchment there, but immediately were attacked by a rebuff of Japanese soldiers. The machine gun fire was so intense that at one point, one GI was actually decapitated from the amount of fire that was coming in against them. And it wasn't long over the next several days uh, with this kind of heavy fire against them that they actually, the officers, ordered a retreat. And on May 5th, the 307th was ordered to retreat. 
It's thought that as many as one-third of the detachment were still laying wounded there on the battlefield when the retreat was sounded. And despite being ordered to retreat, Private Doss actually disobeyed the orders of his superior officers and stayed behind to continue to run into battle time and time again and save his comrades. The movie... This is probably one of the most powerful moments in the movie. He runs back time and time again. And each time as he's running, he prays this little prayer to himself. He says, please, Lord, just give me one more. Just give me one more. Please, Lord, give me one more. And he runs several times back in. Um, You see, during basic training, Private Doss had actually developed this double bowline knot that he then used to help lower the soldiers down the 400-foot cliff face to safety. And he did this time and time again. The general agreed upon number is that that battle, Private Doss was responsible for saving the lives of 75 soldiers. 75 men who would have surely died otherwise that he carried or helped back and lowered down a 400 foot drop running time and time again, back to get one more, just one more. And it's largely because of this, that Desmond Doss was actually the only non-combatant to be ever awarded the medal of honor for his achievements in this battle. And if you haven't watched the movie, man, I couldn't more highly recommend it. I think it does such a great job of telling a story, but I couldn't help but reflect on this story as I was preparing for this and think about a passage that's quoted a lot of times in the Bible about a shepherd who has a hundred sheep and loses one. And instead of doing what, I mean, good business practice or or most logical folks would say in, in enjoying the fact that he still has 99, he becomes fixated on this one that he's lost. And the Bible tells us that this shepherd does the most illogical thing possible and leaves the 99, the bulk of his flock, presumably unprotected, to go chase down this one sheep. And that he searches and searches and eventually finds this one sheep. And that when he finds him, he rejoices. He throws him on his shoulders and he comes back singing and celebrating He throws a party and invites all of his friends to celebrate the fact that my sheep was lost, but now it's found. And we look at this, I think, in our American context, and it just seems awfully strange that any shepherd that had so much would make the decision, the 
ludicrous, reckless decision even to abandon the bulk for the one on the fringes. And yet, we see this throughout Scripture from Jesus over and over again, where he leaves the in and the up and the members of society that seem to receive the more popularity and the more favor, and he spends his time with the disenfranchised and the down and out. And as I heard this story, I I thought, man, I hope that at the end of my life, that when when everything is said and done, people reflect on the life that I've lived, that I hope I didn't play it safe. I hope I didn't live my life within the safety and sound of a church bell, but instead spent my life building a rescue yard 50 feet from Hell's Gates. I truly believe that the church isn't called to be a cruise ship, but a battleship, and that we're called to do everything we can to reach the one. And so as you're listening, I I believe even now that, that God is bringing to your mind, to your heart, one person. We can't reach everyone, but I, all of us, I believe, can reach one. And, and even now, I, I hope that you're thinking about just one person at your workplace, in your family, in your acquaintances that you may not see all the time, maybe an old friend from high school, just one, that the Holy Spirit would put that person on your heart and that there would become an opportunity here in your immediate future to reach out to that one and and maybe share the hope that you found. Because that's really all the gospel is, is one beggar showing another beggar where to find bread. And I hope that they're receptive and I hope that there's an opportunity to connect them maybe to a church or to the same Jesus that left the bulk of his flock for each of us. I hope that whatever happens, that we remember that tomorrow is not promised and our time here is so short and that today is a story. So make sure it's a story worth telling.